How are you guys doing today? Um, I am Wesley Gates. I am the middle school youth leader here at Lake Avenue. Um, and these are three of my bravest middle schoolers that have offered to volunteer. So we could have a hand. Come on. Uh, just go ahead and say your names. Andrew. Juliet. Santiago. Um, so we're going to be reading the scripture today. Uh, so if you will all stand for the reading of God's word. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts for one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. N neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Some of you know that before I became a pastor, I had a corporate career. Uh, I used to travel a lot, uh, business travel, actually many parts of the world on company expense. <laughs> um, and whenever I go to trips to different cities, uh, you know, you have the option to pick which hotel you want to stay. Normally work for big companies, so you can normally pick any, any big hotels. And I always pick a hotel with a big lobby. It didn't care how, how good the room was, how small or, you know, how luxurious the rooms themselves were. But it was always important for me to have a big lobby in a, like a, normally, typically the star hotels have big lobbies with couches all around. Because that made me feel at home. When I come after a very busy day of meetings or conferences, when I come into that building, I want to feel that I am coming home. And somehow, I never sat on a lobby, I never sat on the couch, but it, it gave me that feeling that I am home, right? The reason I'm saying this, three years ago when I joined as a pastor here, uh, one of the first things I did was, some of you may remember, we did uh, a week of prayer and we wanted to create some prayer stations in the lobby, and I didn't know what to do, and a friend of mine, uh, actually the castings, <laughs> they're everywhere, um, and <laughs> three generations. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, they arranged a staging company, real estate staging company, to come and do like 
three, four living room sets here. Um, and it was incredible to watch people coming here the whole week. People, uh, people were sitting there in each, each of the lobby, each of the living room set became a prayer station. And people sat there and prayed together. It was quite an experience to watch. Uh, a visceral experience to be joining in a, in a and, and I felt really uh, at home when I came to church. Unfortunately, after a week, we had, <laughs> the staging company took it away. <laughs> we couldn't afford a couch right now. All I'm saying is that when you come now, <laughs> you will see four living room sets out there. Now, I want you to know that it was, the money didn't come from the general budget. We have a separate, this is not the money you give, okay? I'm not going crazy with the money you're, you're giving. <laughs> but we had another capital reserve. And especially, as you know, one of my priority is to make it, uh, to bring usher in a culture of prayer. So from the week of prayer, we transitioned uh, into a day of prayer once every month. Yesterday, for example, it was just incredibly beautiful to watch people sitting in on all, all of that couch throughout the day, 9 a.m. to kind of around 7 p.m. in different parts, sitting there and praying and walking in uh, and to be, to feel at home. <laughs> I want you to have that memories of church. When you, when you think about church, and I want you to think about home, and especially our young people are here, you know, uh, one of the problems, the declining, so this is not part of my sermon, but one of the reasons for decline of Christianity in America is that our children are brought up in this very religious, legalistic atmosphere where you go to church. The memories of children when they think about church is that going to this place where you're not supposed to talk, you're supposed to stand when everybody stands, and you're not supposed to look at each other. They are, uh, uh, yes, as, as rev we should revere the house of God. But I, I want our children to have beautiful memories about the church. I want them to think of church as a place where they can play. Yes, I said, I want our children to run around and play. I, don't, I actually like when some kids scream when I, when, I, when I preach. It is good because I want that kid to grow up with the memory that when I went to church, People enjoyed my screaming. People enjoy me walking around and hitting on piano or hitting on this and that because that memories are so important. These are subtle. These are subtle. So all I'm saying is that I want us to belong. I want us to create beautiful memories for our children as a place where they were nurtured and nourished, not where they were disciplined. Of course, discipline is part of it. Does that make sense? Anyway, um, so we are on a series, a very short series, but probably the most important series I'm going to do this year because this is foundational to what our church is. And this is the direction the Lord is asking me to lead the church, and I believe that you're going to be part of it. And I define this as the three stages, three steps in a uh, in a progressive discipleship pathway, right? And three words I gave you, believe, belong, and become. These are the three stages. And uh, we had a problem with our computer crashing. I don't know if I can get that picture up. Oh, came over, voila. So we had some problem in the morning. 
So I want you to, I want you to just look at that picture. I want you to put that memory, like, you know, keep that, store that somewhere, download that picture into your mind somewhere, because that's where we are going, whether you like it or not, right? <laughs> we start with believing in his name. We saw that last week. The name of Jesus is the only name under heaven among, the, among men given for salvation. The name of Jesus is the only name given to bridge the chasm between God and humanity. And the name of Jesus is the only name of the mediator who can bridge this gap and bring us close to God. So we believe in his name. That's what we were talking about last week. Now today we are going to look at belonging. Now believing in Jesus bring us to the other side of the chasm you know, of that great divide to the family of God. Now we belong to his family. And the next week we'll talk about, we don't just stay here. We are not here in a safe space to sing Kumbaya. No, I want all of you to go out to the world, to where you came from, and to be, to exemplify uh, or, or to carry the image of Christ in the society. So that's the three-step. Believe in his name, belong to his family, and become his image in the world. That's the journey God is calling us to do. Now, last week, uh, we got some time to pray at the end. So I also want to make this sermon, if I can <laughs> make it very short, and just take some time for prayer at the end. I hope we'll have time. Because it's, it's important. You know, the sermons are great cognitively to understand and appreciate, but you, you forget all of this. And I forget my own sermons. So, you know, I can't blame you. So, but, but, but we need to have an encounter, you know. We need to have an experience that comes only through prayer. That's why I, I emphasize. So hopefully we can take some time for prayer at the end. Now, talking about belonging, the first thing I want you to know that very often church is a place, people come, and they find a good group of people, and somebody invites them to a barbecue or a movie night, and they see church doing a lot of things, so they eventually belong. It's a good community to be around, even if you don't believe. <laughs> So very often, we see people belong without believing. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the order, <laughs> the order, uh, and uh, recently, somebody from the prayer team was talking about, talking to me, and a person who was in this church for 14 years came to the prayer room, and they were talking to them, and they didn't know anything about Jesus and they didn't know anything about uh, the salvation experience. That's what they told me. That was that was a big shocker to me. A person can be in this community 14 years, belong to this community without believing. See, the challenge really is that there are two kind of things in this world. One is community, right? Church is often portrayed as a community, which it is. But we call church a family, family, right? And even today, one of the verses they read was God's household. This is not Rotary Club. 
This is not some YMCA. This is not a community. This is a family. You know what families share? DNA. People in the family share a DNA. So there is something that unifies us through our belief. So if you are belonging here, which is fantastic, I don't want you to go anywhere, anywhere, but I want you to go back, and I don't want you to stay, and I don't want you to think of Lake Avenue Church as a community. I want you to take it as a family. I want you to believe and belong. You can choose the order if you want to. You can first come and belong. That's fine too. But believe is very, very important. Otherwise, you're still staying in a community and you are not really becoming part of the family. I want you to, to know that. So there are two, three different illustrations we, get, we got from the scripture, sort of a metaphor of Christian community or Christian family. Right? I'm not going to go into the details. These are simple. You all know that. Uh, so Paul gave two of them, and Jesus gave another one. The first one is we are the Christian, the Christian family is like a body, like a human body. We are all different parts, but come together as one body. Right? That's one illustration. And the second one, we are buildings. That's right. We are, we are built together, different parts of a building, but we are built together as a single entity. And then the third one by Jesus, bridge, so, uh, branches, right? So Jesus said, you are the branches and I'm the vine. So we are sharing life together. The first one, body is connected together and building is built together or joined together or fitted together but when it comes to the wine and branches, we share life together, right? Based on this, without going into the details, I wanted to give a characteristic, three characteristics difference between a typical community and a Christian community or Christian family. I would call them the counterintuitive nature of Christian community counterintuitive. These are not applicable to a traditional community, but only to the Christian family. The first one we get from that illustration of building, I start from that building, is that, so take this down like this way, our differences unify us. Okay, I'll explain that. Our differences unify us. See, this is counterintuitive to what people are talking about in the world, right? When we form a community, for example, an alumni association, that is our sameness that unifies us. We all went to UCLA or USC, wherever, you know, that our education that brings us together, that unifies our sameness, right? Or you go to a Republican convention, <laughs> that really means the political ideology that unifies us. We all think alike. Not me, I'm Canadian, so I'm just saying that. So you go to a political party, their ideology that unifies us. Or you go to a Chinese student association or Indian community association, whatever. Because our ethnicity, the sameness that unifies us. Don't we all want to hang out with the kind of people that think like us? 
talk like us, same color of skin or whatever, or same level of education or same level of profession. That's our natural inclination. That's how communities are formed in the world. But a building, if you look at it, the buildings have rock that goes to the foundation. Buildings have brick that go to the wall. Then buildings have marble that goes inside. These are all different kind of stones coming and fitted together in different parts of that building and in different shapes, and they have to fit. And you know, Lego sets, right? Like you build houses with, or whatever with Lego sets. The Lego pieces are not supposed to be the same because then you cannot fit them together. They have to dovetail, right? That's the word, dovetail. There has to be a complementary nature for them to fit together to form a shape. Now that difference is what unifies us. And we should be proud of our differences. We should cherish our differences. We should, we should nurture our ability to think differently in the body of Christ because that's when we complement each other. One of my prayer partners, <laughs> she told me, Pastor Matthew, God has called you to build Noah's Ark. I said, what does that mean? She said, Lake Avenue Church is a Noah's Ark. All kinds of animals are in there. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't call you animals. She did. I'm not going to reveal her name. (laughs) She's in the church, by the way. She's one of them. (laughs) See, if you drive down around 25 miles, there is another, a big church over there. That you, go, you drive down another 25 miles north, there is a big church out there. If you just cross the street, there is another church out there. There are so many churches who are built on sameness, which is God, which is good. Everything is good. I'm not saying that there is any, any problem with all of this. Because you go to some of the churches, they vote for the same party, they read the same book, they read the same version of the Bible, normally KJV, and no, all of the all of the versions are banned. But I mean, there is, I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with that, but I will be bored to death if I pastor a church like that. I like Lake Avenue Church because all kinds of animals are in here. <laughs> All kinds of ideologies are in there, but there is something that unifies us, the blood of Christ, the cross of Christ that built the chasm between God and humanity. That foundational principle is what brings us together as one building in which complementary Lego pieces, there are stones, rocks, marbles, all of us fit together. And I want us to embrace our differences because it is that differences that unify us. That's why Christian community is counter-cultural. It's counter-intuitive. And now the the next one from the building. Now when you go to the body, and my takeaway from this is, let me see if I can say it the right way. Our interdependence is what makes us independent. Our interdependence is what makes us independent. See, we live in America, one of the greatest individualistic countries in the world. 
It's all about self-made men, self-made women, and self-made billionaires or zillionaires and all that kind of, it's all of, you're taught from the very young age, it's all about what you achieve. It's you are on your own. Don't trust anybody, you have to be independent, and there is nothing fundamentally wrong with the ideology in itself. But then we realized during COVID, it didn't matter how many zillion dollars you made unless that grocery store clerk come to Ralph and open the store, you won't get your salami or you won't get your, and then we declared these grocery store clerks as essential workers. Up until that time, we didn't realize that they were very important. It doesn't matter how much Elon Musk make, he needs that grocery store to open for him to eat something. Do you understand how delusional we have become? And COVID, if it did anything good, and it opened to the nature of the interdependence in, in the world, and so much so, you know, we have to learn that in Christian community, and that's what a body does. When you come in the morning, I say, how are you? Good to see you. When I see that, you know how many parts of my body operated? My eyes recognized you. It sent a signal to my brain. Brain sorted through a lot of different pictures and find, find out, okay, this is that person. Then it gave the signal to my tongue. And the tongue said, how are you? And it gave the same signal to my hand. My hand raised and say hello. So many processes happened. And the hands had to rely on the eye. And the tongue has to rely, or the eye has to rely on the tongue to convey that information. All of this are, cannot be done by itself. It has to be interdependent. When you become interdependent, that's when the whole body becomes independent. You see, that's the thing that we have almost forgotten in our Christian circle. I have another prayer partner. He lives in Houston, and he has a prophetic spirit, and I don't know if you have met people like that. God has anointed him with the, an incredible, mighty things that happens in my life. He would at least, whatever happens to me in my life and today, like he would, he would have told me two years before. That's the kind of spirit that is on him. Amazing man, I pray with him. And quite often when we pray over phone most of the time, and before we end our conversation, he will say, Matthew, if you have any words from the Lord about me or my ministry, please let me know. And I asked, James, what do you mean? <laughs> you are the prophet. I don't know anything. I'm a preacher. What do you mean? You tell me about where the Lord is leading me, and he, you give me this pointer to the future, what God is up with, what is happening in the world, then why are you asking me about you? And he said, Matthew, this is the thing. God never speaks to me about me. God always speaks to me about other people. Why? Because God wants to keep me humble. God's want, God wants me to be reliant on other people. And that's the way God builds the kingdom of God. If God talks to me about everything that's happening in the world, and God talks to me about what I have to do tomorrow, then I become very proud I become very arrogant. 
God wants me to be dependent on other people for prayer. And that was a big lesson for me. See, and that's why we, God is building an interdependent community. Unless and until we realize that. And this is, I'm speaking from my heart. Yesterday I got a call from a young mother of three children about another young mother of three children that the second young mother got hit by a car and she, anyway, she came yesterday and did uh, a testimony and all that kind of stuff and, you know, amazing miracle. Uh, could have been much, really bad, but no broken bone. Anyway, but, but I was involved in that conversation. But the most beautiful thing about that is this, this young mother got hit by the car. Is a, is a video producer and, you know, she has a very busy life. She's a single mother and the other Young mother is a JPL engineer. They are busy they are with the three kids, but they were very involved in other people's life, and I saw the concern about each other, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is what a church is supposed to be. Unfortunately, we are trained to come on Sunday and look at the celebrity preacher coming and, hear, and taking notes. No. Somebody lied to you. The true church is belonging. And I'm telling you, if you ever, God forbid, if you ever get, get hit by a car, and if you don't have anybody at Lake Avenue Church to, Church to call, I have not done my job. I might be the best preacher ever. The sanctuary might be full with people. It doesn't matter. If you are a Lake Avenue member, and if you got hit by a car, you don't have anybody in this church to call. We are not a church. We are just an entity. God's favor is not on us. And I want us to have that sense of belonging. And I want us to be part of that Christian family which is interconnected and interdependent. Interdependent. Third and the final, Jesus said, I'm the wine and you are the branches. Now, this is a level up. This is much more than being interconnected or interdependent. And Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. <laughs> without the vine, without that stem, the branches are going to wither away. See, we become family not because of we like each other. We are connected to the same vine. If we are not same, connected to the same vine, there is no relationship between us. We are people coming from different parts of the world, different skin color, different profession, different cultures. But the real, the real fact that we are a family is because we are connected to the same stem, same vine. So what, I, what, you, what Jesus says is this. He said, the, the version we read was uh, uh, remain in me. And I like my version which says abide in me. Which really tells us, you can show that one more time. Sorry, I didn't say that before. Uh, our being determines our doing. Our being determines our doing. What does that mean is, see, when you go to a, a typical community, you know, it's all about if you do A, B, C, you become X, Y, C. It's all about what you do makes your identity. What's your profession? That's, that determines your identity. Like I said, if you do this, 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 you become this, this, this. But Christianity works the opposite way. You become this, 
then you do this, this, this. You become the child of God. Those who believe in his name, John chapter 1, 12, we studied last week. If you believe in his name, he, you have the right to become the children of God. The moment you become the child of God, the becoming, in the being, your being of having the DNA of God, the being the child of God determines your doing. That's why without Jesus, without connected to the wine, we can do nothing. So this is more than interconnected, interdependent relationship. This is more like a, more like a symbiotic, a symbiotic connection between Jesus and his body. And there is another verse which says, Jesus said this, John chapter 17, 21. They may all be one. This is Jesus praying for us. Jesus said, they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Did you hear how complicated that is? <laughs> Let me read that one more time. They may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Basically, Jesus is saying that the triune relationship that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it is the same kind of symbiotic kind of relationship is that what God expects from his church. See, I want you to take this. Relationship is the only mode of existence in heaven. Because even God himself exists in relationship, in a triune relationship. So heaven will be a nightmare for introverts. <laughs> relationship is the way you exist in eternity. So that is why this is so important for us to belong. Now I'm going to take a pause and I want you to know this. If you have been here, you're part of this community, I want you to take the next step to belong. I want you, you know, this is, well, in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden, God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. Right? Then we see women coming along. When, was the, when did the serpent approach her? When she was alone. When she was alone. The sin happened when woman was alone. The serpent came along. So it is not good for a man or a woman <laughs> to be alone. It is important for us to live in the community. I get disgusted sometimes. People say that, oh, I don't need a church. I don't need any, I believe in Jesus, I listen to the sermons, I read all the books, I don't need a church, oh, the corporate church, the organized religion is all this and all that, and yeah, it's much easier for you to say that, how prideful that you can think that God himself thought that you should live in a community, even when the salvation is a personal experience, it has to be expressed in a community, even when prayer is a personal, individual experience, it has to be celebrated in a community, and it is so important. The, 
they, you know, they say the, the lone sheep will be eaten by the wolves, right? And if you are in the fringes, you think that you got it together, you don't need anybody else, you don't need a pastor to tell me, or you don't need another people to be part of your spiritual journey, you are, you are really mistaken. And I want you to take that next step, and rooted, maybe rooted, is, is a great gateway for us to believe and to belong. And I'm so proud for the, of these 900 people who have signed up, and I don't think we have ever had a movement like this in the church, at least the last 10 years I've been here. And I want more people to, there are 22 groups open still. And I want you to sign up. I want you to meet some people you, whom you have never met. And I want you to do community together. I want you to do life together like the wine and the branches. And in the coming days, so there is a root table out there. Make sure that you sign up. Make sure that you ask them about the details. It's going to be a 10-week journey. I'll be speaking from the pulpit on the rooted same topic. Like, and I want you to be to continuing. It comes with the daily devotionals. It comes with the day of prayer together, everybody praying together, a day of serving together. So this is not just a Bible study. This is not just a small group curriculum. This is going to be an expe- life experiencing together. That's why I call it a rooted experience. Starts in two weeks. So make sure that you become part of the journey. Make sure that you belong. Make sure that you know you know your brothers and sisters in Christ, however different they may be from you, I want you to realize that you are interdependent for you to be independent. We're going to take some time in prayer. I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable if that's okay. A few minutes. You know, I have a burden for this church, and I know most of you share this. My sister Lisa Leo said, you know, Pastor Matthew, we've been praying in this church with proms. You know, we have this proms, pray for this, pray for this. Pray for something with burden. And one of the burdens that I have and all, pretty much all of you have is we need to pray for our generations, right? And I'm particularly thankful that our young people are here. Our middle school and high schoolers are joining. And um, I believe there has been a, for a while, there has been an invisible wall between that Maple Street building and this church. Because, you know, our children are generally teenage children too. They're they just promoted from being teenagers, but, you know, they like to stay in their room and, you know, and, and parents leave them alone and that's fine. But we now, this is the time for all of us to come together to the kitchen table, right? We can all stay in our room, but there has to be a kitchen table. <laughs> Sunday morning, right now, the rooted experience is our kitchen table. Right from elementary school, we are all doing rooted. That's exciting. This is our kitchen table. You know? But dad may, <laughs> dad may shout and mommy may pout and nobody is perfect here. But that's the beauty of the kitchen table, right? And we come together because we need to pass this faith on to the next generation. And it is for their responsibility and for them to be, understand the, the authenticity of having this great building or having this great programs and, and them taking leadership and in some way learning from them. You know, not trying to teach them, learning from them. And this is that time. And that's a big burden for anybody I talk to in the church, whether they have children or not. So we are going to spend a couple minutes in prayer. But this is what I want to do to make you uncomfortable a little bit. 
I don't do this often, but can I ask you to maybe turn around and sitting where you are, I hope you will have some strangers sitting next to each other. Can we take two or three minutes, just say your name or ask the other person's name to ask them how long they have been at Lake Avenue. That's, all, that's the only two questions you're, asked, you're allowed to ask, okay? And then just say a short prayer. Can the worship team come forward and help us uh, to lead this moment of worship? So uh, form that, you know, because Jesus said this, right? Like, you know, this is Matthew chapter 18, 20. If two of you agree on earth and about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Why did Jesus say two or three people? It's not, it's, it's just to do some kind of show of strength, you know? No. Because God wants us to experience prayer in community. That's for our sake. God wants us to realize that we are interconnected. We are interdependent. We are sharing the same life together. That's why for our sake. It's not because God is deaf. He needed two people or three people's approval. It is for our sake. So can we take some minute, you know, just turn around and find a person next to you and just a few minutes just to pray for our generations. Introduce each other's name and how long in the church, okay? So let, let's spend some time in prayer. Dan, thank you so much for coming in again. Yeah, yeah.
I'm, I'm going to close the service. So I'm going to say the final prayer, then we will have a song, and then I'll do the benediction. I believe you had enough time. I, I, already, I already prayed with two different people right here. So, Father God, we thank you for calling us to this community. If I could use our Dr. Greg Webright's words, thank you for calling us to this unexpected family. People of different colors, different cultures, coming from different countries, you fitted us together, interconnected us, made us this interdependent community. Lord, we acknowledge that without you, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. So we draw from the source of life itself. We pray that you awaken our community. You bring the revival that you have promised. We all drink from the spirit that is percolating all over from your mind to our hearts, O oh Lord. Bless us together in Jesus' name. Amen.